Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, where we sit down with visionaries, trailblazers, and entrepreneurs and discover why and how they do what they do. We'll get the backstory, plus plenty of life and business lessons along the way. Here's your host, Matt Browning. Broadcasting from the Leadership Academy Studios, aka my new basement. Welcome to The Driven Entrepreneur, the go-to plan for coaches, authors, speakers, and entrepreneurs of all kinds to start, grow, and profit a business that you love. I'm your host, Matt Browning, and today we are continuing with our interview series of an amazing driven entrepreneur, someone that you know on this show how often I always like to get our toes dipped into the water of, of health, of healthy lifestyle, uh, uh, fitness, medicine, you know, those pieces that I think as we're leading and running businesses, it's really easy to neglect yourself. And it's really easy to forget that, you know, hey, like we are literally humans. So today I have someone who's going to help us tremendously, um, a really, really incredible person, also a friend and client. This is Dr. Lale Talabian. Now, Dr. Lale is a cancer research scientist, nutrition specialist, as well as a podcaster, author herself, and professional bodybuilder. Yeah definitely buffer than me. She is awesome. Uh, she's a research scientist with more than two decades of experience uh, with a PhD in molecular biology of cancer from Dartmouth. Um, she's been in this cancer research and nutrition and holistic wellness space for over two decades. She's absolutely incredible. And I want to welcome Dr. Lale to the show. How are you, my dear? I am great. How are you, Matt? I'm so good. I'm so good. I've been looking forward to this conversation um, really for the last, I think, month or so since since we officially booked it. And, you know, so first off, how are you and how long has it been since you are you competitively bodybuilding still or is this something that you did for years and you have, quote unquote, retired? Tell me about no. that whole world because I love it. Oh, and thank you for asking. I have not retired. Uh, last time I was on stage as a pro bodybuilder was in California um, three years ago, right before COVID. And during COVID, I sort of took a break. And uh, I am actually preparing for my next bodybuilding competition in November. Are you really? I didn't know yes. that. Yes, I am. That's awesome. Where is it going to be? How can we see it? How, oh. how do we follow you? Oh, I thank you. Want. I will post it on, on our Facebook page. But uh, it is um, going to be in Worcester, Mass. It is called Worcester. Worcester, exactly. Worcester. It's called the Monster Mash. And um, so, yeah, it is a big show, and um, I don't know, normally they have over 150 up to 200 athletes competing, so it's, it's a pretty big event. So for you, with, with your background, I just find it interesting that, you know, you don't very often sci find a PhD research scientist and a super, like, legit health nut, fitness nut like you, you know, I mean that term endearingly, obviously, uh, and bodybuilder, it seems like you tend to get one or the other. Um, what we call the bro science in the gym where someone goes, oh, yeah, here's my tips. And sure, they're athletic, but, you know, do you really know what you're talking about? And then you have the, you know, the, the engineering style scientists. Do you feel like you've ever, I don't know, I guess, leaned into one side or the other? I don't want to say, you know, would you put yourself in a box? I doubt you do that. But growing up, were you like leaning more towards that science thing and then you found bodybuilding fitness or was it the other way around? Or do the two go hand in hand for you? Oh, that's a wonderful question. So my dad was a disciplinarian and always school came first. So my actually childhood dream was to become a scientist, but also I wanted to be a gymnast. I wanted to be an Olympic athlete. And his words were, 
school first, sports later. School so, first, Olympics second. Exactly. So although he really was athletic himself and he uh, very much encouraged that, uh, but school had to come first. So I had to focus on that. And of course, both passions existed. But it's a great question you ask because every time I get on stage and they introduce me to come on stage as a bodybuilder, they say, she's a research scientist. And everyone's like, what? So yeah, it's like in our heads, we go, well, that shouldn't be, but then it is. Yeah, exactly. But I actually, this came to me, I was starting to put a post and I said, I am, I'm going to tell you two things about me that are completely unrelated, but they're actually very complimentary. I'm a research scientist and I'm a professional bodybuilder. And those two things have actually helped me come up with a secret weapon to true health and wellness that is science-based. Well, and, that, and again, that's, this is the hook where when I first met you, I thought, okay, this is someone I want to get to know more, or I want to have an interview with, because I think you have that, that interesting depth that when someone is purely into kind of one world or another, I think that, you know, it's not bad, but it might be missing. So what's, I guess, what, what's one of your unique takes? And we, I want to get into entrepreneurial lifestyle a bit, but initially, what's one of your unique takes on because you have, again, that fitness bodybuilding background meets the research scientists, as far as nutrition, as far as health, as far as fitness goes, what's something that you maybe believe that a lot of people don't or something that you'd like everyone to know? Absolutely. So how do I got to both of them was um, my motto is, if you want me to do something, tell me I can't. <laughs> so I was told I as a young woman that, oh, become a scientist. Oh, geez, what are you thinking? And of course, become a bodybuilder as someone who's barely 5'2", and on a good day, I may weigh 108 pounds. And I always was an ectomorph. It was impossible without drugs, without... Explain, explain the ectomorph to everyone. So somebody who is not very type. muscular, very lanky, very thin generally, like I call myself a cucumber shape, okay? So like straight up and down. So every time I talked about becoming a professional bodybuilder, people laughed at me, literally. Without an enhancement drugs, without steroids, yeah, and natural. I want to be natural. And I was always about being healthy, and that was the most important thing. So I was determined to prove that even as a person like myself, as, and now I've grown quite a bit. When I started the bodybuilding, I barely weighed 99 pounds. 99 so, pounds, 5'2". So yeah, so people would laugh, bodybuilder, are you kidding me? So that was the second thing I was told I couldn't do. And I said, watch me. So I worked really hard and I was determined to prove that you can be healthy without drastic measures, without steroids and working hard, you can become a bodybuilder. Now I started as a, as a runt on the stage, as a runt of the litter, if you will. I always call myself, I was like, everyone laughed, like, what is she doing here? I didn't care. All I hey, wanted- You were still on the stage. There's a lot of other women who were five to 99 pounds or whatever, and were not there. Yeah, exactly. So I just started at the bottom and I worked my way up every single year. And the same show that I told you, Monster Mash, I was like at the very bottom. And every year I would move up from 10th to 9th to 8th to 7th to 6th to 5th. Finally, when I got my pro card, the promoter said, this woman has been working for this for a long time. And that meant a lot. So my whole thing was you can be healthy. And I only compete, and I'm an athletic judge too, so I only judge only shows that are sanctioned drug tested. Awesome. Uh, I will not compete in a show that is not drug tested. I did it once, and I will not do it again. So how do those two things relate? 
So I use science, literally my science in thinking and the knowledge that I've been fortunate to learn in graduate school about molecular biology, pathways, and all of that kind of stuff, and put it to work and literally do research as to what your body needs to function first as a healthy machine. And I always use, I'm a, I'm a car nut, and so I always use cars as an example. If you have a Lamborghini and you put sand in it, it won't go far, right? Oh. So a Lamborghini is like going to the gym and working out and then just put junk in your body, right? Won't go far. But the right fuel will get you really, really far in a Honda. Not to put Honda down, I'm just saying. Even in a little Honda. Even in a little Honda, right? I was that Honda, correct? So basically, uh, I put the two together and I found it fascinating how you use science and literature and you can actually really um, improve your performance without using any performance enhancing drugs. And being really healthy, one of the major things I had a problem with in the athletic world was bodybuilders go into drastic measures. They go off season and they eat everything they want. They're unhealthy. They gain 40 pounds and then they have to diet like crazy. Yeah, you and, do the bulking and then the dieting and yeah, you're dehydrating yeah. your body and, of course, and all, all this back. And that's of those not, not that I've ever, you know. But you've I, heard I, was of it, right? body, I, I was getting a body bill, but then, you know, that threw me off. So, that was, that was <laughs> so that's, those are the things people see. That's what they promote. But none of that is necessary or healthy. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's, I'm an athlete 100% of the time, full time, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So yo-yoing in weight and going on and off is not an option. So you want that Lamborghini, you want it in shape all the time, right? Yeah, I love that. So I don't go off. And actually, one of the promoters, a famous bodybuilder who I actually look up to, he once called me on a show when he was going through the athletes meeting, said, she is the diet mutant. You know what that means? She never has to diet. And that's true. So the way I eat is almost always healthy and the same. Maybe some of the things might be tweaking as I get closer to the competition. But really, it's all about health. And I coach all of my clients, whether they're athletes or just trying to be healthier or have a condition to always look for it as a lifestyle, as a long-term, not a quick thing that they go through, not a phase. So do you agree or disagree based on what you just said with the idea of a cheat meal, a cheat day, 80-20, uh, that whole kind of philosophy? Are you like, no, it's 100-0, and does that mean carrot sticks and chicken breast or like Give give me an idea. Give us an idea of what it looks like to not yo-yo and not yep. cheat back and forth. I love that question. I'm glad you asked. So I And asked what's me. the best psychology? I think is really my question is, you know, should we 80-20 or should we, how yeah. does that work? So I get this question, cheat day or cheat meal. I ask you this. Would it be okay if your wife cheated on you once a month? <laughs> just, just once a month, you know, or once a year. I don't know. Once a week. Once well, a week once to a get week. it out of your system. Would it be okay for you? Would it be acceptable if we allow that? Now, your wife, I'm guessing. What a frame. Right? Wow. Your wife is like the most important person in your life after yourself, correct? Because yes. in my mind, you're the most important person in your life. If you're not around, who cares who you love, right? So if, you, if it's not okay to cheat in our relationship or in our work, say if you were in school, would you tell your child, you have a son, right? Yeah. Oh, it's okay to cheat on an exam like once a month. 
Yeah, it's or just okay. cheat in math, but nothing else. Right. It's not okay. I so love if it. If it's not okay to cheat in life, in general, on your loved one, don't you love yourself? It's like cheating on yourself. Plus, that gives you a bad mentality that you can do something that's not really normally acceptable, but you do it occasionally. So I okay. have a problem with that philosophy. Well, so no, well, I don't cheat my in. body. Okay, so fill us in. What should we do instead? Because I love that and I'm fully on board with you. Absolutely. But I think the, the, the reason that comes about and we think about that is it's like I'm going, 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 doing all the right things, all the right things. And I go, oh, I'm tired. I need a break. This is too much. So what do we do instead? Is it about dialing the perfection back a little bit or, or something different? No. The problem with when people get burned out, whether they're going on a diet to lose weight or bodybuilding, is because they go through these drastic measures. They go through these cycles where they're not doing everything right. And then so it makes it hard. But if you make it a habit, if you make it a lifestyle, I'm an athlete all the time. I take care of my body all the time. I don't cheat my body. I don't make it injured, right? I don't do any of that. So why would I put something in it that doesn't belong? So if you value your body as your most important, most precious thing and your health is your most valuable thing you own. I, I can't argue with that. That's your most valuable thing. For sure. So if you always live that healthy lifestyle, and it's not depriving yourself because you can eat really healthy and tasty and good and still enjoy a lot of things and be healthy. I mean, if you looked at what I eat in a day, people think like, how on earth do you eat so much? I have. I follow you on social you media. See- <laughs> I see, I see you what see, you I eat. talk about food all the time. I'm a foodie. <laughs> So, of course, food has to be a pleasure, and it doesn't have to be a punishment. And you have to think about when you put something that doesn't belong, doesn't, is not worthy of you, it's like punishing your body. It's not cheat. So when you cheat, what is it? It's a bad thing. Cheating never is right, correct? Whether it's on yourself or in your exam or or whatever in your life. So why would you do that? Why would you allow yourself to do something that's not acceptable, not more. Okay. Right. So there's, okay. So I guess what I'm getting at then is now there's the piece of cake at a birthday party. There's mm-hmm. the donut Sunday morning, whatever it may be mm-hmm. is, are you saying then it's about now I look at that and I'm reframing what that donut means. And mm-hmm. I go, you know what? I don't really want it. I'm not depriving myself. I don't want it. Cause that's not helpful for me. Is that what's happening? Yeah. And there are things that you can think about. Cause I still want to want it sometimes. You know, it's true, but it eventually, when you don't have that donut for a long period of time and you form it a habit, you won't even think about it after a while. Like I could be in a room full of donuts. It won't even cross my mind that I might ever want to have a bite. Cause Just it's so interesting, too, because this, this comes up a lot. I was talking to a therapist recently on the podcast. We were talking about the differences between like uh, substances and and addictions and habits and how like sex and food find themselves they tend to be in their own little world in comparison to say like hard drugs or something you know or even alcohol or whatnot I could walk in and go you know I don't care if there's crack in the room or not crack in the room I have a zero percent chance of desiring and taking part in the crack but when it comes to the gray zone of types of foods, well, all of a sudden it opens up where it's like, oh, that does look good. And is that, so are we, I guess, am I trying to take a hard line where I go, you know what, 
sugary stuff and wheat or whatever whatever my plan mm-hmm. is that stuff's crack i don't touch it it's harmful and what i do want is this life-giving stuff is that sort of what you do like do you make black and white distinctions on food or how gray zone do you live in to help me get an idea because i i i get where you go with nutrition i think it is doable but i want to make sure that we all kind of understand hey this is something you can really get a hold of and it's fun mm-hmm. so it's not something that one can do overnight so if you've been eating freely donuts or sugar you know and now all of a sudden Let's you say, just say. not right so some people are okay with that. In fact, I've said there is no right or wrong way. There is what's your way. So what works for you? Do you want to cut a cold turkey and say that's it? Is that the kind of person you are? Because people are different. So, Or some people will say, no, nope, I'm better off cold turkey. Or you have to be understanding that habits require time to form. Yeah. And also old habits require time to undo. So you can't say tomorrow I'm going to be 100% sugar-free. If you have been freely eating sugar all of your life, you have to really work at it. It's kind of like training your brain like you train your body. If you're going to do a marathon, you don't get up tomorrow not having run you know, half a mile and say, I'm going to do a marathon tomorrow, right? Sure, right. You won't do that. So how could you, exp- how could you train your brain to not crave that overnight, right? You have to train your brain the same way you train your body. Do I want this? No. Why? Because my goal is greater than that. My health is more important than that. This is damaging to my health. And you have to really frame it to yourself that is this beneficial to me or what is the health scale? I always try to ask people to visualize a scale. If your health was on one side and this donut was on the other, what is more important? What weighs more in your mind? Your health, right? So just Imagine that scale all the time. On that scale, just throw the donut out. This is always going to come first. Your health comes first. Yeah, I like that. And you're really, I mean, what you're talking about is really like choosing vision and choosing values. Mm-hmm. Right? Being an adult, for goodness sakes. Uh, being an adult. Uh, Dave Ramsey always says, you know, the adult is devising a plan and following it. Children do what feels good. And I really love that, as, not just as a money metaphor, but also as a health metaphor. Mm-hmm. Kids... They don't know better. A four-year-old would eat jelly beans for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and not realize what it's doing short and long term. Um, but as an adult, we start to get there. I think where I want to go in this conversation, Dr. Lale, is um, in the entrepreneur and business space, one of the things that I think is one of the most important, one of the most important resources to get a hold of is how we deal with stress. Stressful situations, stressful days, stressful moments. To me, I think I can devise a plan, I can follow it, but when I get overloaded, overwhelmed, stressed, I got projects due, whatever it is, that's when sometimes my thinking goes out the window and my impulse takes over where I go, I got to get rid of stress. What are some tips, ideas, or just your general thoughts on whether it's reducing stress or setting up your environment to win, things like that. I'd love to talk about how can the entrepreneur who tends to be under more stress help to make better fitness and health decisions? That's a great question. I think I'm always from a, I come from a preventative uh, standpoint. So number one thing is to create an environment where you don't cause stress in your life. And as much as we think we don't have control, but we do. So first, number one thing, be in charge of that environment so that stress doesn't put you over the edge, 
That's okay. the first thing. So prevent that. If you don't get stressed out, then you won't have to deal with it, right? But I do understand that, you know, sometimes it's out of your control. It might be that some external um, trigger um, causes stress in your life. And that's the next step. I always call those, you know, they're toxic foods and toxic, you know, people or toxic environment. And that is basically what it comes down to. And it, it's a simple, not always as you know, simple, but complicated. Sure. So if there, if there is a stressor in your life that you don't absolutely depend on for living, that means that you can breathe without it and you can live without it, you need to eliminate it. That's a that's, lot of things. Yeah, that's toxic. So, um, and sometimes just having a good mindset and plan, and I'm a planner, planning freak. I plan everything. Just takes the stress out of my day. So if I know exactly what I'm expecting and plan ahead, even if it means I'm going to plan my cave time, I call it, that is my quiet time. I have to know when that is. And for every entrepreneur or every person, I strongly suggest this. I call it cave time. And that could be anything you choose as your cave. That could be that you go and put your music on and just sit there and listen to your favorite music for, I don't know, an hour, half hour, whatever time. That means you might be working out. That's my cave time most of the time. I, my biking is my cave time. And I also, most of the creativity comes there. Whatever it is for you, you have to schedule cave time for yourself every day because we're cavemen. Remember that. Where does the cave, cave time come from? When they were stressed, when they were threatened, when they were chased by a wild animal, they would go in their cave, right? That was their security place. So that's still how we are. We're cavemen by nature. So we have to create that environment that keeps us comfortable and safe and kind of helps push away the stress. And you have to create that environment on a daily basis where every person is going to be different. Sometimes for me, it's cooking. I just stand there and cook away and put NPR on our music. And that's perfect therapy for me. And it could be, like I said, anything for a person. Um, most guys, um, gentlemen out there, you need cave time. You might be going to your garage and working on, I don't know, carpentry or something. Or work on your car. For women, maybe you go shopping. I don't know. Whatever it is that's your cave time, allow yourself cave time. That's without your dog, without your cat, without your child, without your spouse, without your friends. You and only you. Okay. Uh, spouses, you heard it here first. And this is interesting, Dr. Lai, because I think, like, I, I love the idea and it makes perfect sense. I think it's also been, it's been confused a bit in culture where, you know, I know for me, I've been an entrepreneur for over 20 years. And I've sort of grown into this belief, subconscious or conscious, that, you know, I feel like I have to have the world on my shoulders. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to hunt something, kill it, drag it home. I'm going to make the money. I'm going to go invent some, whatever it is. But then when I come home, I go, okay, I did that out in the world. Now I need to come home and tend the fire. I need to tend my wife. I need to tend my son. I need to take the dog for a walk. I need to relieve everyone else's stress. And here's what I find at the end of my day. Like, I don't think I'm the only entrepreneur doing this, but at the end of my day, my quote unquote cave time isn't really cave time. It's like, you know, everyone goes to bed, I'm up for an extra hour and I'll find myself, 
I would call it distraction time. It's like, oh, I'm unwinding. You know, I'm going to go watch a show. I'm going to go sit on the, I'm going to do something for myself. Mm-hmm. But it honestly doesn't feel like I'm filling back up. Um, it feels like I'm going, I'm so beat down. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just going to veg with something. And that's when a lot of people, I think, turn to scrolling on social media for the last hour mm-hmm. before bed or whatever it is, right? That's probably the best mm-hmm. example because that's almost everybody. Mm-hmm. How, what's the distinction between distraction time that mm-hmm. feels like, you know, you're trying to make it cave time, but it's not versus actual cave time. Do you have like a distinction or a way to, I want people to wake up from, you know, that idea of this is me time. And it's like, look, it's not mm-hmm. scrolling on social media from 11 to midnight no. is not you time. Yeah, that is exactly. killing you. Mm-hmm. And that is not what we're talking about here. So can you give us a distinction on that from your perspective? Absolutely. Um, as human beings, our brains need break from outside stimuli. Break from so, outside stimulus. Okay. Exactly. So that's where the cave comes in. And I say you have to be alone and you have to be doing what you feel like complete relief from everything else and its external stimuli for your brain to really have the time to just chill. And honestly, as an entrepreneur, that is where my creativity comes out because it's careless, it's stressful, I'm taking care of myself, and I'm doing what I love to do. And, and that's the key thing. When you say you, everyone goes to bed and you find the find, like, that's by necessity, you're surviving, right? Oh, like, I got to sit down and yeah, you're right, people watch TV or social media. But those external, your social media, you're already still spending that time on other people. And on that is such things. a great distinction. Even if yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to look and, and all of a sudden what I, especially because we have, you know, you and I, we have prospects and clients right. out online. So I go, oh, I should like this person's post. Yeah. Yeah. And then it turns into, I'm giving another hour to more people. Right. And, and Matt, that's exactly right. As entrepreneurs, and I, I get you, I'm the same way. I have had to put boundaries for myself because when you work for yourself and when you love what you do, which is my case, and I know it's your case, it doesn't feel like work. So you don't, if you don't have boundaries, you work 24-7 anytime you're awake. So for me, it, it took a while to be able to say, okay, after 7 o'clock at night, I'm not going to answer emails work-related unless it's a life emergency, which most of the time it is not, right? So I have to set boundaries and say people don't need me 24-7. And for me to be able to be a good person, in any relationship, whether it be my life relationship with my partner or with friends or my clients, whoever I am with in a relationship of any nature, for me to be a better person at whatever I do, I need to allow myself that. And you need to actually proactively schedule it. So as an entrepreneur also, health comes first, of course. If you're not a healthy entrepreneur, you can't run your business, right? No matter what your business is. So people say, I don't have time to exercise. We not, never have time to exercise. We make time to exercise. Yeah. But also you have to think about it as play. You know, when you were a kid, would you say, I'm going to go exercise on my bike or swim in the pool? You go no, play. No, you just got to get out of the house. You play, right? So as adults, we forget, hey, that's play. Just get out and play. Now, for me, it could be biking and I go in the gym and I love, you know, throwing out weights. But for you, maybe swimming in the lake or for somebody, maybe walking and whatever it is that they like to do. But you have to schedule that like you schedule your clients, like you schedule your doctor's appointments. I oftentimes tell my clients, schedule your exercise time 
and make it like you can't miss it. It's with your doctor. Can you just call off every single time? You don't do that, right? Yeah, and the day before, they, they're going to charge you, and you can't get another appointment for a month. Right. So you do whatever it takes, and you move your life, and you grocery shop around it, and you wake up early, whatever it is, you make it to the appointment. Or you know people take off from work to go to a dentist, right? Yeah. I said, okay, you do Why that. Why can't we take off from work to go work out in the walk. gym? It feels different. Exactly. It or just feels go outside like... for a walk. Don't feel guilty about it because you'll be so much better person overall if you're healthier. Healthier means happier. How about this one? You know, I, I, when you're saying this, like taking the time, I think there's also something about that guilt of like, whether it's real or perceived, but a, like a societal guilt. Um, a friend of mine who's an engineer, you know, he worked in a very, very large, you know, engineering uh, aerospace company. And he, he used to go outside and take smoke breaks to eat apples. Now, he didn't smoke. But he got so much grief from like, boss, what are you doing out here? And he's like, smoke break. Because if you smoked, you could go out, you know, mm -hmm. once an hour and you can go out 50, 10 minutes and you have your cigarette and everyone thought that was okay. Yep. But if you didn't smoke, why would you take a break just to breathe? And it seems absurd when you say it like this, but that's, that's kind of societal. Well, yeah, yeah, you go out. That's no problem. You're going to go outside for a smoke. But what if you just went outside? For an air break, <laughs> you went outside for the apple break. Exactly, it's a, it's what's put into our head that makes you feel guilty if you take care of yourself. But it's it's that's the culture we need to change because why do we have a culture of sick care? Because we go 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 and let people sick and oh yeah now we have to fix the sickness. But if you did all of these things, you know you didn't have to get sick. The same thing is look even if when I worked in academia I worked for Dartmouth I was a I had a high stress job if you will and you know I did have stresses in my life but I didn't care what anyone said every morning my one boundary was no meetings before eight o'clock in the morning I will refuse to do that why because that was when I work out I would get to work after eight for any meetings but no no meetings before that's just absurd like they would schedule meetings at seven o'clock in the morning I'm sorry no <laughs> Who so does that? People do. Go into research and academia and medicine. Yes. They would I'm have out. six, seven o'clock meetings. But my one rule was before eight o'clock, nah. -uh. If you want me to be functional and if you want me to be a good employee, I need to get my exercise. And, and I'm sorry, it's before eight o'clock. That's what's going to happen. See, you heard it here first, folks. That's So my time is 10. And, but it's it still, it's like no matter when I wake up, it's like I'm not going to, I never schedule appointments. My calendar's not open. But it is, I have plenty of time to work, but I always start outside work at 10 o'clock or after. This is awesome. Dr. Lale, you're so much fun. I could go on forever. What is, um, I know you have something you've put together as well. I want to make sure we plug this for a second. Um, you have a pretty amazing uh, gift that you've created, like a plan for people, a healthy living plan. And I know you're actually taking uh, a limited amount of private consults. So how do we find out more about what you have and where do we go? Oh, thank you so much for asking. Yes. Uh, so if you go to our website, which is dynamicnaturalathletes.com slash bonus, that is dynamicnaturalathletes.com slash bonus. And you click on that link that says new clients. We're welcoming new clients, but all of you are welcome to go there and schedule a free consult with me. Just click of a button. And a bonus that you will get from me is a seven-day healthy for life action plan. 
that is going to literally give you a schedule and a checklist to complete every single day to clean up your environment from your fridge, from your pantry, to your medicine cabinet, to your laundry room, and everywhere in your house to remove toxic things out of your house and get your home and health environment completely healthy. So I'm a strong believer that health comes from within, but also from your environment. So I've created this seven-day action plan that helps people take step-by-step every day and eliminate or clean up a section of the house, if you will. So go there and schedule a free consult with me and claim your Healthy for Life week one-week action plan. I love that. And you know what's really cool too is it's, um, and I've, I've looked through this, I have it obviously, you, you do this really well in like bite-sized chunks where, again, it's not about overwhelm and going, oh, where do I start? What do I do? She tells you, you, you say exactly where to start and you just grab one area, one type of thing in your home at a time. You go, hey, let's work on clearing some of these things out, bringing in the healthy things. And if you did everything on your plan, just one day a week for one week, your entire environment would be turned upside down in the best way possible. Like, so if you're sitting there listening right now and you're thinking, this is right, and I do want to prioritize me, and I do want to get rid of the stressors and the environment, I want to choose, you know, the, the, the good choices over the donuts and everything else, take Dr. Lale up on this, dynamicnaturalathletes.com slash bonus. That's outstanding. Dr. Lale, thank you so much for coming on the show and being a part of this. I'm always grateful for you to be in our community and now, of course, in the Driven Entrepreneur community. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here, and it's so good to know you. Right back at you. Hey, guys, that's the show for this week. Hope you enjoyed the time with Dr. Lale. And I'm calling this episode Prioritizing You because that's really what we got into is how to prioritize you. I love her take on this. I love as a natural bodybuilder, as a research scientist, as a uh, health coach, as a person in medicine, she has a, a unique perspective on how to get these daily habits and really life environments aligned. So really appreciative, Dr. Lale, again. You can follow everything Dr. Lale is doing uh, over on Facebook. She's super active on Facebook at Dr., uh, facebook.com slash Dr. Lale. That's D-R-L-A-L-E-H, Dr. Lale. And I go on here and look at this. There's a wonderful photo right up top of her speaking at the Leading Voice Conference. That's a really, that's a great photo. That's special and prestigious. And then over on Facebook, you can follow what they're doing in their work at uh, Dynamic Natural Athletes. Thanks so much again to my guest, Dr. Lale. And thank you for listening. Listen, don't let this be one of those episodes that you kind of skip through and you go, yeah, yeah, I've heard this. Yeah, don't eat donuts. Yeah, no, this can be and should be this wake-up call if you know you need one whether it's a 1% wake-up call or a 100% wake-up call, if you need that right now, don't just play next right now. Put down the phone, put down the device. If you're driving in the car, listening live on this, I want you to stop what you're doing, I mean, healthfully with the car, but make a decision to do something different starting today. Do something new, do something good for yourself. And as always, this weekend, get out there and especially get on the bike, go run, do something outside, breathe air, And as always, stay driven. Bye-bye. 